Welcome to a conversation with John Philpin. Each week, John cuts through the noise and fills your ears with interviews, stories, and most importantly, clarity. Clarity in our ever-changing and shifting world to put people first. Over to you, John. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you are on this planet of ours. Welcome to the People First podcast, and I am delighted today to introduce you to my good friend, Shadid Eliza. Shadid's going to tell you a little bit about himself in a moment, but I have to say, when I first read and found Shadid originally, I just thought this guy came up with People First before I came up with it. Everything he talks about is baked into what I talk about within People First. So I'm really excited to have you on board, Shadid. Say hello to the listeners, and just by way of introduction, tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Well, John, well, listeners, first of all, it's an honor, uh, a privilege, and a pleasure to share this uh, time and space through this conversation. And so my story is, is very simple. In my life's journey, you can look back and, and find a few uh, core principles, tenets that uh, have uh, driven my journey. And the first would be family is the first business. So when we talk about business partnerships and, and so on and so forth, I was born into a family that had the, the do for self mentality. So what does this mean? It means that no matter what a person did during the day, it was always the mindset was always to bring those skills, export those skills from your job and bring them back home to benefit the greater good of the family. So when people say family and business don't mix, I look at them as if they have three eyes, John, it doesn't compute for me. So when we, we talk about my earliest joint venture partners were family members. I've worked in my mom's businesses. I watched my grandmother run a business and teach us the value of hard work. Next, we would say that to profit is to reinvest. So when it comes to how I run business, it's based on the, the idea that when I generate revenue, I'm looking to uh, reinvest or empower uh, broken, forgotten, underfunded communities uh, around the world. It started with uh, the school system where it started a campaign to solve digital illiteracy in the classroom. And once other uh, philanthropists and community leaders started to find out what I was up to, then people started to partner and those contributions started to, to grow and grow and grow. So when we look at my, my life's journey, it's definitely uh, family-based core values and we can dive into uh, those lessons as we continue down the path. Cool, thank you very much. Um, it's interesting, I belong to a network in the UK which is called Business is Personal, started by a couple who basically reject the notion that when you're in a meeting and somebody said something bad to you, they'd say, don't worry, it's not personal. And they take it a front to this, and so do I. Business is very personal, and, and you're, what you're doing is not just personal, it's right back to the foundations of family. So, so thank you for that. Um, you missed a little bit of background. I know that you have a military background, and I, I, when we were talking earlier on, you talked about how 
some of your thinking emerged from even those days all those years ago. Talk a little bit about that for a moment. Well, during my, my time in the United States Navy, for many who join the Navy or armed forces, let's say, is often uh, a journey, a search for uh, oneself, who we are, defining ourselves through uh, rigorous, uncertain, and oftentimes challenging scenarios. So in as early as uh, boot camp, you're given the core values. Now, each armed forces branch has their own set of core values. But in the Navy, it is honor, courage, commitment. And you are to memorize these core values along with other type of mantras to, to help you get along for everyone to be on the same sheet of music. Now, you have to imagine that when you receive these core values, there may be other storms and events going on in your life. And when you, you balance those two, the core values oftentimes during those times did not make sense at all. But as life's journey continues, you, you look back and let's say, for example, whenever I uh, go into a new venture, a new project, I tend to be more all in than most people uh, tend to be. So if I take on a, a new project, I always ask myself, am I willing to give uh, five years to this project? So that's where uh, commitment comes from. And so, and also, so with, you look at the core values, they've guided my life in oftentimes in many of the major decisions that I've made, if I was to reverse engineer those decisions, it would easily uh, come back to, again, those three core values that they, they hammer in your psyche. And uh, so I'm thankful for that opportunity to have uh, served. And thank you for your service. Uh, let me ask you, when you first left the forces, the Navy, did you immediately launch into the career that you now have? Did you go with such certainty that you said, I know where I'm headed? Or was there a little bit of finding yourself before you set off on that, on that particular trajectory? Great question. And so for me personally, what I do was already preordained. I'm going to explain this, and I've never actually shared this on a, a podcast before, uh, because I was I was speaking with my dad on um, earlier uh, this week, and so one of the things that my my dad gave me was a uh, a name, and so a name with meaning. And if you study the the science of names, it oftentimes is is a prophecy. So the strong man of pride and strength will come to teach and enlighten is what I was given from day one. And wow. so uh, when it comes to, let's say, times when I'm not showing up in the world or times where I'm not, uh, let's say, I'm not leading by example, my dad would say, Shadi, you need to step up in this area. I see what you're doing and you're not being strong in this area. And so each part of my name, first, middle, last, he would invoke throughout my entire life. Uh, and that, no matter where I was in the world, as we discussed, I was in the military way overseas, that name is carried with me and gave me a, a series of, um, let's say, instructions to always go back to. So to answer your question, let's say, 
when it comes to teaching, educating, so on and so forth, that was all already uh, preordained for me through my name. And so what I've done throughout the years, whether it's entrepreneurship, which was baked into my story from uh, my family and how that is expressed through teaching, through educating, through consulting, that has taken on different variations. And I always look at those stations in life as building those transferable skills that lead to what I do today. Wow. So thank you, Shadid's dad. <laughs> he made you what you are is what you're saying. And you've followed that through. Absolutely terrific story. So within People First, people have heard me before. I, I talk about tenets in, in People First. And one such tenet that I have is that there is no future of work. There is only a future of income. And people say to me, what do you mean? What do you mean? What's really interesting to me is one of the core things that I talked about with you. Well, not when, when we first met, but also what I read about around you. You don't use those words, but you actually are saying exactly the same thing around monetizing, understanding the assets that you've got. So that you, what was the expression used not to be paid by the minute? Again, another thing that I get furious about, about labor by the minute. Talk a little bit about that to me and to the listeners as well, of course, but, but about what, what this light was that dawned on you and, and what you're now teaching to your clients. Absolutely. So when we look at the future of work and where things are headed, if you are roughly over, let's say, 40 years old, you were raised under the, the, the paradigm that tenure and experience equals success. That means being in the same career and earning the, the gold watch at retirement. That also means uh, college education, you know, master's degree, doctorate, so on and so forth. In today's society, we're in the difference now is that we now have a, a global marketplace where a company in Ohio can outsource their talent uh, to India, Australia, all around the world. The, the, the geogra geographic boundaries have been dissolved. So now personal branding and high income skills are now the passport through which employment and let's say career opportunities and entrepreneurial gigs and contracts can be uh, obtained and achieved. So when we talk about high income skills and being able to shift from solving based on tenure versus solving problems that exist, if you're able to solve problems, high income problems, expensive problems that companies have, they are tending to uh, charge by uh, the value delivered. So what that means is there's a, a time for money trap that exists for us all. And so if you're able to package what you know and host it online to digital marketplace that is always searching for the answers to problems through search engines, now you put yourself, you've positioned yourself in a way that puts you at the top of the line when it comes to those demands that the companies around the world will face. I got to tell you, people, I did not put those words into Shadi's mouth. This is how he talks. This is so much in line with our thinking. It, it just is absolutely terrific. 
packaging should eat. I've got a great idea. I want to go with it. I want to put it, oh, wait, I can't put it in line because it's still in my brain. How do you help people get that idea out and into a way that, as you put it, make money while you're asleep? First step comes with understanding the mindset. Most people will, cemeteries are filled with bright ideas, patents that have not been filed and inventions and all sorts of content that has not reached its uh, publishing point. So that's the first thing that we need to understand is that the skills, the knowledge, the experience that you've acquired at work, through life, through helping others, being of service to others is valuable. Once that's understood, my, my skills are valuable. Next, we say, okay, now that we have the skills, what problems does the market currently have that we can map those skills to? So it's not enough to be a great copywriter. If you're just a copywriter in a silo, you help no one. If you plug those skills into the fact that let's say uh, 75% of companies fail miserably at uh, follow-up campaigns or let's say creating uh, one-time customers to lifetime customers, then the skill of copywriting becomes an expensive problem that can be solved for an industry. So you start with understanding what your skills are, defining the problem that the market faces, packaging the skills to be found by people who are searching for the problem, and most importantly, choosing the vehicle of expression that is most comfortable for you to deliver. So if I am a good speaker, I should not spend my time doing a lot of writing. I should maybe, if I want to use the, the let's say, a blog, for example, or an ebook, I would express it through, let's say, audio and have it transcribed over either through a service or through another resource in order to package. So under the two biggest, let's say, points that stop people from creating digital assets and packaging their knowledge would be, number one, the mindset that their skills are uh, valuable. Number two, choosing the wrong vehicle of expression. Stay in your lane of genius and get the content out in an imperfect way, and then allow other specialists, friends, family who have editing capabilities to help you shape and mold that content. Yeah, it's funny. In a previous life, I was part of a company that we used to build websites automatically long before the Wixes of this world appeared. In a complex technical world, we used to produce these things for the creative professional. And exactly what you're saying, if you're a photographer, if you're a chef, if you're an artist, then that's what you're doing. That's what you get paid for. Why are you spending weeks building your own website? Give it to us. Your website will be back with you in a day and away you go. So right with you, you jumped over a little thing at the very beginning there. And again, I've heard you use the phrase, and it's a well-known phrase, imposter syndrome. This lack of confidence that people have in themselves of, oh, I'm not really meant to be, really? I'm here? No, 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 no. You must have the wrong person kind of idea. Do you help personally help people get across that to begin with? I'm trying to sort of get, get a gauge where in this spectrum that you fit and what you do within that. 
Yes. So for my client base, which tends to fall into the, the area of individuals who are extremely successful authors, extremely successful experts, well-known experts, and high-performance entrepreneurs, there's oftentimes a imposter syndrome that exists where their audience loves their work. They are in love with the books they've written, the presentations they deliver, the uh, eBooks and digital content and courses and webinars and masterminds that are delivered to the audience. They are in love. They are, uh, let's say, advocates, affiliates, lifetime customers. But what tends to happen is the speed of which the love for the audience has is a lot faster than the path of monetization. So while as soon as they step off stage from a, a standing ovation, they're receiving a text message or email later in the night that the bills are due. And so the imposter syndrome that exists or the inner dialogue that is happening within my ideal clients, my elite clients, is the story of, well, if all of these people, if hundreds of thousands of people love my work, why can't I use these same skills that have transformed other people's lives that people clearly find value in to take care of my own life, my own family, my own situation, pay off my, my debts that it took me to build this veneer, this facade. So although on the surface, it may seem that my ideal client has their life together, Behind the scenes, it, it feels as if it's a house of cards that's ready to tumble or they'll be discovered as an imposter, as someone who cannot solve their own problems through the advice that they give others. So you're, you're giving out this great recipe and this great remedy that doesn't work in your own house or in your own life. And that's where I come in to help them to separate their uh time invested from revenue earned through creating digital assets and content licensing so that they're available to be present for the people and moments that matter, create the income on autopilot that allows finally for their reputation to actually be monetized. And when they create something, companies, institutions, agencies, are paying for their work. So now it balances the scale between love of audience and bank account. So now they can feel full, whole, and authentic when they show up in the world. So, so a lot of what you just described there, it's almost for that nature of crime. It's almost like you're a coach for them. Your voice of conscience on the side saying it's okay. You're helping them get through that almost. Is that correct? With any great consulting, there's going to be some coaching needed. So my services are done with and done for our clients, but the mindset part of things is absolutely uh, coaching in that we help them to see the, let's say, the, the idea that they are enough, that what they've, they've First of all, they've done great on their own to get to this point. And in order to get where they need to be uh, across the finish line, that vision requires additional help. So I do believe that every idea deserves an org chart. 
And that is what we help them to do. We help them to take their vision, separate them from it, build them up, empower them to think on a grander scale. And then when they return back to the picture, the, the full picture is painted. And now they have a masterpiece on their hands, which is their business, which is their revenue. And now they can be proud of it. Really good. And the way, again, the way you're talking is that these people already had a success. What if somebody comes to you saying, I can see a way through, I just need help to become that successful author. Do you get involved with those kind of people as well? Absolutely. So yeah. if someone, everyone has genius within them and everyone has a journey, a hero's journey that they are on. So whether someone is a high performance entrepreneur with 35 employees or they're a solopreneur who is looking to have their, their first seven figure year, there's always a point that they reached in a destination they're looking to continue to travel towards. So what we do is we get clear about what that journey actually is. We define the milestones. And so one person's best-selling book is another person's first ebook or their first coaching program. And so we define what the journey is and we, we dive deep into what their particular milestones, metrics are for success, what is happiness in their world. And we, we create that definition and help them reach it. That's brilliant. I'll put into the show notes as well. If people want to find out more about what you're talking about, they've got their idea and they now need Shadi to come along and help them. Do you have a website you can point them to in your own words? Absolutely. We Well, the, the first step is for people to have a plan. In order to get to your destination, you need a, a roadmap. You need a vision. So what I have for your listeners is the uh, digital assets execution plan, which is a uh, downloadable checklist that exists on your smartphone or on your website or excuse me, your uh, laptop that you can walk through the steps of creating digital assets step-by-step step, and leveraging those assets to create your first or next joint venture partnership. Because once you have the buy-in from other partners, it allows you to scale in a uh, much faster way. So I teach you how to start, identify your lane of genius, how to package, meaning defining your, your vehicle of uh, expression. And then from there, how to get your asset into the hands of those who can help you spread your message around the world. And those would be your strategic partners. So in order to take that next step, you would go to mrshadi.com forward slash assets and claim your digital assets execution plan. Wow. Thank you. I shall make sure that's in the show notes for everybody with a link directly to that. I have to say that if I had such a sheet in my hands, would be there <laughs> because that is you're actually solving one of the hardest problems if i'm hearing you right this idea that you can talk somebody through a sheet for them to essentially document what they can do what they've got in their head and how it could come out at the other side as a downloadable worksheet an ebook a novel whatever it might be so, yeah, because it's also interesting, you said earlier on about this idea of if you are a writer, then write. But if you're a presenter, then present and have it transcribed to written if you want. In other words, separating the medium and the message and indeed the very talent you've got. 
And uh, it's interesting that I find lots of, you know, giving somebody a copy of Microsoft Word doesn't make them a writer. And interestingly enough, that you hear sometimes the orator in some people, when you just hear them talk, it just flows. And you, the, you, the voice tonality, you're just listening to it and going, oh, just package that up. Post that to me as a podcast on, on a weekly basis. I'm in. I'll give you, I, you know, it's, but to un- unpack that is hard. I mean, a lot of people tell me, oh, I really like your voice, John. I think they like the accent because it's a little unusual for, you know, the Americas. But my own personal view is I hate my voice, <laughs> but it shouldn't matter to me. It matters to what the other people think, and that really is what your asset um, inventory analysis will probably do for them. Excellent. Thank you very, very much. Is there anything that you... I could talk to you all day about this, by the way. I, I really could, but I'm also aware that I like to try and keep podcasts short so that people sort of don't lose attention, and then we come back, we do part twos and all that kind of stuff. But is there anything specific you'd like to mention now around that we haven't covered today that you'd like the listeners to uh, say, oh, yes. Absolutely. So we talk about content licensing. Here's what I want you to understand. Every single Netflix movie that you've ever watched in your life is an example of a content licensing deal. So content licensing is everywhere. And the question that I have for you, entrepreneurs, experts, content creators is how can you inject your content into this multi-billion dollar marketplace? And so the first thing I want you to consider is that corporations spend more money on employee retention, happiness, education than any other expense within business. And so One of those expenses happens to be content. Guess what? At the time of this recording, more employees are working remote than at any other time in the history of recorded civilization. And so your content can be packaged and licensed, meaning given the usage to benefit a company corporation for employee education. And so Think about when you're creating your next course, when you're creating your eBooks, how can it be packaged, repackaged and delivered to a corporation who will need it? Licensing in itself can easily become your top revenue stream if you follow the right steps. Now, can you help people through the process of licensing? Because it's a very specialist area licensing, you need to have the legal chops for a start. Is that part of what you bring to the party? Well, since 2008, which was my first accidental licensing deal, I've been uh, licensing my own content and have been helping many of the elite content creators, course creators, authors, and senior professionals find their voice and license their signature work to agencies, institutions, and corporations. So I think the answer then was yes. <laughs> yes, and I'm, I'm getting a nod of the head, people, getting a nod of the head. That is absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much, Shadid, and really for taking the time out. I'm going to go and download that sheet myself, <laughs> without a doubt. It's a great tool for everybody. 
I'm sure we're going to get lots of people coming back, and I'd love to have you back sometime in the not-too-distant future to probably answer more questions that will inevitably arise as people engage and, and listen and talk. So, But for now, thank you very, very much for coming to the show. Oh, it was my pleasure, John. Thank you. We look forward to you joining us next time. And if you found this interesting, please do share the podcast. All the links referenced today are in the show notes. If you have any questions or comments, please do not hesitate in connecting directly with John Philpin. Stay safe and stay well.